0: Good morning. I want to invite you to join me in Exodus chapter 20. I'll be reading one verse, uh, verse 7. This is the third commandment. We have seen that the Lord our God is the only God. We've explored how he is to be worshipped. Uh, this morning we see what it means to have a heart of reverence for the Lord. Let me pray, asking for his blessing on the reading and preaching of his word. Would you bow with me? Father, silence the silence the voices in our head that would that would point us to lesser desires. Silence the distractions that would take our focus away from you. As we approach your word, would you give us the gift of your spirit to convict and to comfort with Jesus? In his name we pray, amen. Friends, this is the inerrant and infallible word of God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Among the list of crimes under uh, federal and state law, where would you place the crime of forgery? in terms of the seriousness of offenses. Maybe if you are thinking through that, you, you want to know a little bit more, right? You, what, what are we talking about forging? Are we talking about uh, forging a work of art? Are we talking about forging, as I've seen in some third world countries, uh, a, a legal document that would speak to the title for a piece of land? We're talking about forging a check, a check for $10, about forging a check for a million dollars. Some instances of forgery just don't even seem to rise to the occasion, but some make, our, make us want to raise our eyebrows, and some make us want to call 911. 911. All of these examples of forgery, though, regardless of the the magnitude of of what we are uh, forging, they, they share something in common. Forgery is, uh, at its core, an attempt to separate a person from their name to use a name for our own purposes. When we do this, when we, in effect, steal a name, we are assigning a level of worth to that person. We are saying that their name is worth more to me than their their person. Their person is, in essence, worthless. Worthless. You see that when we talk about forgery, uh, the actual use of the name is merely a symptom. It's a symptom of a deeper issue of what we think about that person. When you think about the third commandment, what's really at issue? Is Is it merely... A matter of utterance of those certain words that we are to avoid. And as long as we avoid those certain words, we're good. Now, it's okay if we thinly disguise those words to change their sound, though not their meaning. Is that how we think about the third commandment? And obeying the third commandment? Merely a matter of utterance? I don't know about y'all, but my time going through the Ten Commandments has been um, exposing for my own heart. As I've unpacked more, more deeply what the Lord is telling us in the Ten Commandments. And this week has, has been no different. When I start each week to study a passage, I, I begin by asking questions of the text. As I started to look at this one verse this week. At the top of my, my yellow legal pad, I wrote three questions. What do we mean... By the word take. What do we mean by the word vain? And why the emphasis on name? As I began to study this text this week, I I realized that if we could answer those three questions, then we would get a better understanding of of all that the Lord is telling us, commanding us, exposing within us in this one verse. So let's do just that. Let's let's explore those, those three questions. First, what do we mean by take? Because oftentimes we... We think, speak, don't say certain words. But take certainly includes pronouncing, but it's more. To take is to, is to lift up. It is to invoke. As in a court of law, think hand-on Bible. Taking an oath. To take is to take that oath, which includes pronouncing, but it is more. It assigns a, a level of worth to the thing or to the person we are taking. It is to make an oath by that thing or person. That's all wrapped up in this one word, take. How about vain? Vain also speaks to worth. Vain, the word used here in the text, means empty, means insincere, it means worthless. The Bible would use this word in association with idols, assigning a value to idols. Speaking of worthless idols. But it also would speak of those who worship those idols this way. Vain worship of idols, worthless worship of idols. Now if you put these two together, take in vain, we see that what the word is speaking to is, is speaking the name of God in a way that assigns to that name low value. There was a third question, why the name? Why the emphasis here in the third commandment on the name? Well, in the Hebrew, language and culture, you don't simply separate a person's name from their personhood. They are deeply connected. We speak of the name, we're speaking of their character. We're speaking of their essence. Speaking of their being. That's why the Hebrews spent so much time and effort thinking through how to name a child. We see it later in Exodus 34 as Moses would, would ask to see the glory of the Lord. Lord, show me your glory. But in Exodus 34, the Lord didn't give him a picture, an image. The Lord said his name. In response to Moses' request to see the glory of the Lord, the Lord spoke his name before him. And in speaking his name in Exodus 34, the Lord revealed his glory. So do you see, when we cheapen the name of the Lord, we are cheapening the Lord himself. So how much is the Lord worth? we were to look through the, the annual Forbes list, <laughs> the wealthiest individuals, where, where would the Lord fit in there? How, how would we assign some value to him? Psalm 24 tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He, in fact, created everything we see, everything we touch, all matter by the very power of his word. Psalm 24 captures the fact that, therefore, it all belongs to him. All matter. All of us. He owns it all. Does that capture his worth, the value of all things? Well, no, that that doesn't even capture his worth. Because his worth is also wrapped up in his being. The Lord is perfect in holiness. He is the absolute by which all other attributes are measured. It's perfect in holiness and goodness and truth and love. How do we assign worth to the Lord? We cannot because His worth is unmeasurable. It is infinite and yet on a daily basis we cheapen Him. How do we do that? Well... One, we use his name disrespectfully. many of us were raised in respectful families where we were taught that there were certain words that you did not say? And so we changed them a little bit. We, we insert instead a, a dad gummit, <laughs> a geez. Or more recently, an OMG. What are we doing? Honestly, when we say those words, we're thinly disguising the words that those less sanctified, less respectful people would use. But we're doing the same thing, we're cheapening the name and person of the Lord but doing so in a way that can make us feel better about how we're obeying our surface-level understanding of the third commandment. What about using the name of the Lord for our own purposes? We're taught to end our prayers with a little tagline in Jesus' name. Because the Lord Jesus Christ tells us to ask in His name. It's what it means to come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come boldly before the throne of grace because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has paid atonement for our sin. He's given us access That's what it means to pray in accordance with the will of our Savior Jesus Christ and through the access given to the throne of grace by Him. And yet how often are we tempted to use in Jesus' name as a tagline to get what we want as if those words were a magic incantation, (laughs) often do we use the name of the lord to try and get our own purposes that we're taught to pray that way we can seek to manipulate god and isn't that just a christianese form of forgery how about using the name of the lord in empty ways here's a southern favorite bless his heart what are we doing when we say bless his heart We're saying, Lord, bless him so I can gossip about him. Isn't that an empty way to take an oath before the Lord? Or maybe the one that should capture us all. Praying, saying we'll pray for someone and never doing it. How often do we respond to a text or a social media post with that one word, praying, and yet we, we walk away with the attention span of a squirrel and never bring this person before the throne of grace. We have taken an oath to bring this person's needs before the Lord, and when we neglect to follow along with that oath, we are saying that the throne of God is not worth my time. Welcome to my study. (laughs) Welcome to what the Lord is showing us in the Ten Commandments. As we consider the ways in which we cheapen the name and person of the Lord by breaking the third commandment, thinking that we can obey by simply changing a few words. How are we doing? <laughs> I'm not doing so well. I suspect that I am not alone. But I want to encourage you in this, that this deep dive into our hearts as we consider this third commandment is the first step in our growth in grace. Take heart, that is where we are going. But let's continue unpacking this commandment because as I hope you have seen and will continue to see, each of those commandments have a shall not, but they also have a shall. You shall revere the Lord and His name. Earlier, we prayed the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is aptly named because it is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray and by extension teaches us to pray. But how do we pray it? Well, sometimes we pray it like we did earlier. We we say it together. There's a, there's a sense of reading the words, praying those exact words back to the Lord. But sometimes we use the Lord's Prayer as, as a template, as a list of petitions that are meant to guide our prayer life, to, to guide our prayers before the Lord. The first petition in that prayer template Is Hallowed be thy name. Now, Hallowed be thy name is the language of King James. (laughs) We don't speak that way anymore. And so one would be excused if one did not understand what is meant by Hallowed. Hallowed uh, captures the verbal sense. Holy. In other words, when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are praying, Lord, make your name holy in my heart, my mind, in the world around us. We're praying, Lord, holify your name in my life. Make your name holy so that I might revere your name and thus your person. Do you know how we grow in making the name of the Lord holy in our our hearts and in our lives? Well, we pray. (laughs) We pray, asking the Lord to do this, but we also meditate on and seek to know His character. We seek to know the Lord because knowing is the key to revering. When I say the name Clyde, what do you think? What comes to mind? The name Clyde is not a typical name these days. And so when you hear that name, you might even be tempted to uh, to make a joke about the name. Can I tell you something? If you are tempted to make a joke about the name Clyde, do not do it in my presence. Clyde Richards was my grandfather. He was a lion of a man. He loved well Sorry. he loved well, he cared well he set an example for the generations that would come after him he was uh, revered in the community he was adored by his employees and I'd fight for that name see here's the thing I understand That that name may not mean the same to you as it does to me. Because I knew the man. You didn't know him. And so you would be excused for not assigning the same weight. To that name that I do. It's understandable. Because knowing him. Having relationship with Him connects me to the name. And that's the point. That's the point. That we're making as we unpack this commandment. Don't cheapen the name of the Lord by separating the name from His person either by disrespect Respecting him or using it for our own purposes, because to do so indicates that we don't care about or know him. Do you understand the point that when we know the person, the value of their name elevates in our hearts? Positively. The third commandment serves as an invitation to know the Lord, to revere Him for who He is and those whom we know and love. We do not cheapen their name by using it for our own purposes. And yet knowing our sin struggles, knowing the multitude of ways that we are tempted to and in fact do, cheapen the name of the Lord... He has encouraged us to depend on Him even for this by praying that He would work in our hearts in such a way that His name would be made holy in our lives. That is what we pray. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, it is the grace of the Lord that he would know our hearts are so given over to cheapen him that he would invite us to pray, asking that he would be the one to do it in our lives. Do you see the grace in this prayer petition? Friends, I'm convicted that I can be more passionate about the name Clyde than I can about the name of the Lord. And yet he invites me and all of us to pray that he would keep the third commandment on our behalf. It's one evidence of the grace of the Lord that we find in the scriptures related to this commandment, but praise the Lord, there is much more. We might not say it, but we can be tempted to think That the third commandment is a lesser commandment. It's not as important as some of the others. But do you know what we do when we break the third commandment? We commit the sin of blasphemy. That's what blasphemy is. It's taking the name of the Lord, the person of the Lord, in vain. And did you know that the punishment for the sin of blasphemy is death? Now, as I've unpacked the third commandment for us, I know this is going to sound weird, but I hope you understand that I'm trying to make it clear that each and every person in here is guilty of the sin of blasphemy, namely the preacher. We're all guilty of a sin, and the punishment of that sin is death. And yet, there was one who was not guilty, Jesus Christ. And yet, in the most sinister of ironies, blasphemy was the crime that was used by the religious authorities To put him to death. Jesus claimed to have the power to forgive sins. He claimed to be the son of God. And knowing full well that claiming to be God when you are not in fact God is the sin of blasphemy, the religious leaders who wanted Jesus gone saw that this sin gave them a way to accomplish their purposes because they knew rightly that were He not the Son of God, they would have been right. Were He not who He said He was, He would have deserved death Because he would have been guilty of the sin of blasphemy. And so they, religious leaders, put before us the question of all questions. The question upon which everything depends. Was Jesus who he said he was? Was he God incarnate? Or was he merely an elaborate forgery? Everything. Everything rides on his identity. If he wasn't who he said he was, then we, the true blasphemers, remain in our guilt and are subject to the penalty of death, eternal death. That's the question. Before us, but praise be to God that the question of all questions was answered on Easter morning. It was answered in the empty grave. When Jesus rose from the dead, he not only fulfilled Scripture, but he affirmed them. Jesus defeated death. By the power of an indestructible life and in so doing He evidenced that He was in fact the Son of God, the Messiah. And because He is who He said He was you and I are given life in His name. Amen. Friends, the guiltless Lamb went to the cross taking the punishment for blasphemers like you and me. So the end of verse 7 is fulfilled in Jesus. At the end of verse 7, we see that the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. It is fulfilled in Jesus by a beautiful act of grace. The Lord our God transferred our guilt onto His Son who died and was buried and three days later rose again. Friends, this is why we celebrate the resurrection each and every Sunday. It is the exclamation point of the gospel by which the name of the Lord is lifted high. And so with this truth before us, now the question is not one of Jesus' identity. But the question is this Will we remain hardened in our sin, treating the name of God and the person of God as if he were worthless? Trying to use his name to get something out of it, but denying the holiness and majesty of God himself? Friends, will we continue to live as forgers? Or will we take hold of the grace? It is ours in Jesus. Will we actually know him? Will we take hold of life in his name? To us, to our small minds in this timing of redemptive history, it appears as though there is a choice before us whether or not we will revere his name. And on some level there is. A choice. God has revealed himself to us and we will be held responsible for the way that we respond. But there will come a day when that veneer of choice will be gone, when we stand in his presence. And on that day, For friend and foe alike, there will be no more temptation to devalue his name or his person. On that day, we will all revere the Lord. And so with that, I close with a word from Philippians chapter 2. so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, let us not wait until the day when we are in his presence. Let us revere the Lord and his holy name. Let us ascribe to him the glory which he is due. Lord, you are holy, you are wise, you are loving, you are gracious, you are merciful, you are worthy of our praise. O Lord, our triune God, hallowed be your name. Make your name holy in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, and in this world. Do this as an act of your grace and for our good. In Christ's name we pray, amen.